Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor at Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org, and contact us. We'd love to help. Amen. Thank you for that, Renee. Take your Bibles, open up to 1 Thessalonians, if you would. Chapter 4. We are in the midst of a series, Pondering the Path of Our Feet. We have covered a couple of topics last week. We we're covering a topic that is very specifically delineated in Scripture as a sin. This is not the same. This is not delineated in Scripture as a sin, but it is something that is wreaking havoc, I believe, in many different ways. And so I want to just go through and talk about uh, some, of the basic, uh, some of the basic things that we are, we are going to discuss here when we're talking about exclusivism. Now, when I say exclusivism, some of you have not heard that word exclusivism before, so you may not understand to what I am speaking. Others of you may say, I think I know what he's talking about. What is he talking about? Well, I'm not going to use the word dating, because dating means different things to different generations, okay? Um, Dating to some generation means that you're going to go and get a soda pop at the soda fountain uh, with somebody, and uh, you're going to give her your varsity jacket or your, uh, your varsity sweater or something along that lines. And then uh, dating uh, means many different things. What I'm talking about is this idea of exclusivism. Here's basically what I mean. It's the modern hallmark mentality that the end-all, be-all goal of all human beings is to find love, to find acceptance, and a gazebo. Not necessarily in that order, but the idea that we have to have certain things and these certain things are just experienced um, and it's expected. And then we've come up with some different ideas and it's interesting as some of you may know, some of you may not know, I have five daughters and we instructed our daughters a long time ago that before they ever even started to get serious with somebody that their dad wanted to sit down and talk with them because I knew that Chances were they would be going off uh, to a Christian college meeting somebody that I would not know. And the last thing I wanted was them to go about this in, in an unbiblical way or a way that was not supported by the Bible. So I said, listen, if you find somebody that you're interested in and you, and you think that you may want to start spending some significant amount of time with them, call dad. I will meet with them. That is very strange in our culture, in our society, especially when the dad drives eight hours up to or over to the college to meet with somebody. And I, and I remember talking with a couple of fellows and they were in shock and they were like, I don't understand why all of the formal, all of the things going on for just this, it's not a big deal. We're just talking about dating. And so what I wanna do is I wanna talk about something that I believe has, has become uh, many different things to many different people. And I wanna make sure that you understand what, what I am talking about here. This is, I believe, wholeheartedly, I believe this is an area of grace. The Bible does not specifically tell us how to date. Can we agree on that? Okay, it does not say, this is how thou shalt date. I am not talking about spending time with an individual. I am, if some of you in the Christian school are thinking, uh-oh, this is the beginning of the sermon where he's gonna cancel the junior-senior. I'm not out to cancel the junior-senior, okay? I'm not out to uh, sequester and, and start a, uh, a, a, a school for boys and a school for girls and let them wave across the lake at each other, um, you know, over uh, different times of the day. That, that's not the purpose. But the purpose is to get a, a biblical mindset. If you're there in 1 Thessalonians 4, want to look at something. Here's, here's one of the things that is difficult about talking about exclusivism. The reason that I'm talking about exclusivism is because I want 
moms and dads, I want aunts and uncles, I want church folk to understand uh, what I am talking about. Many different folks will take and will say, well, hey, this is what he is talking about. He's talking about, okay, when you officially start dating. I, I've called it many different things throughout my ministry and trying to figure out, okay. And the, the idea of exclusivism basically came out when I was, I would try to explain to some parents and say, hey, listen, uh, your child is dating so-and-so. And the, and the parent would look at me and go, <laughs> no, we don't allow them to date. Like, well, but they are dating. No, they're not. Actually, ask anybody in the youth group. They're dating. Everybody knows they're dating. In fact, you're the only person that doesn't think they're dating. They think they're dating. The school thinks they're dating. Random strangers on the street think they're dating. And they look at me and go, oh, silly, silly pastor. They're not dating. And I think it's because we define it a certain way and we think, okay, they haven't exchanged. I don't know, maybe you're thinking dating is when you exchange uh, varsity jackets. There are people in this room who don't even know what a varsity jacket is. <laughs> and so some of you think, well, never, my child has never, you know, come home wearing somebody else's varsity jacket. It's not going to happen in South Carolina. Those, those things don't happen anymore, okay? Um, so that it, it's a lot of different. Now, if you, if you think, well, Pastor Gover, I realize your goal here. This is the goal of every independent Baptist preacher, to take every item that is fun and preach against it. And make sure that we as Christian individuals can do nothing but bowling or putt-putt with our aunts and uncles. And that's it. It's not what I'm trying to do. I truly am not. I, I'm trying to structure our thinking ab around what I believe to be a biblical mindset. Because there are, there are many things that this happens. And here, here's my, my basic premise. The Bible does not address dating specifically. But what is commonly accepted as exclusivism in our culture because it is an unbiblical relationship and does not have biblical guidelines for it, that is why it is such a wide open interpretation of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Now, I, some of you may know this, some of you may not know this. I was a youth pastor for almost 15 years. Do you know what the number one question that I got? It was not over doctrinal matters, Calvinism, Arminianism. It was not over uh, ultralapsarianism or superlapsarianism. It was not over the gap theory. The universal, all-time, far outdistance every other question was, how far can I go and still be okay? Okay? Do you know what I'm talking about? How far can I go and still be okay? And this was not all the time asked. Some of you may think, well, that's because teenagers are just trying to see what they can get away with. No, a lot of times it was asked by teenagers honestly, truly wanting to know what is the biblical mindset here? What is it that we're supposed to do? What is it that we're supposed to uh, set up as far as a guideline, as far as a practical application? You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, there are many, many folks who are redefining very specific things that God's word says. And part of the reason they're redefining it is, again, because to so many people, Having arrived is being married. Having arrived is having a boyfriend, having a girlfriend, somebody to go steady with. That is the thing that within our culture, that's why I talked, I was making jokes about the Hallmark mentality. But this idea of, okay, this is how a romance is supposed to happen. Now, fellas, if you married a girl who was very, very well instructed by the Hallmark romances, it has made your life difficult. Because there is not a male alive that exists like the Hallmark males. Okay? They're, they're, they're just, they're not out there. 
And the thing is, is that we look at these things and we, we look at all of these different guidelines and all these different things and we say, okay, here's what is normal and then we press in. And here is one of the things that I want to challenge you with. I believe that the modern system of exclusivism or dating, which I understand it is thus, go out, play the field until you find somebody that you are compatible with and when you're compatible with them, then continue to move forward and get married. I believe that is actually very destructive. And it's, it's amazing to us how many times people will say, oh my word, the very last person in the world that I would want to choose a mate for me would be my, and they will fill in the blank, either their mother or their father. How many have ever heard that? Okay. How do you think that makes mom or dad feel? Imagine if my daughters said to my wife, mom, you absolutely have proven you cannot choose a husband. If there's anything that we know is that we do not want to come to you because you had one shot and you blew it. So we do not want to listen to you, mom. It is completely, that is antithetical to what we think the best person to find out a husband for us is me, A. And have you noticed how the dating age is getting younger and younger? And we're, and we're getting exclusive in, in, in these different things uh, that are happening. So I want to just go through a couple things just really quickly uh, with you now. Are you in First Thessalonians 4? I want to point something out. Let's look at verse 1. The Bible says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. What is the focus of that verse? If there's only one thing that you get from this, if you are here, you are single. You do not have, you have not found the gazebo, the love of your life, and all the rest of it. Can I tell you, the most important thing in your life is not finding a spouse. It is walking with the Lord. And I've heard many, many folks say, well, that's easy for you to say because you're already married. So you've already attained, you've already reached, you've already, no, no, no. The most important thing is walking with the Lord. And so often we look and, and, and our culture wants us to get us out of uh, the focus of, of chasing the Lord and actually feeling there are some individuals that are single. They are not dating somebody. Uh, they have re reported to me that sometimes they almost feel as if they're suffocated. They feel so much pressure from whatever the pressure is coming from. Not, they don't say it necessarily comes from their parents saying, hey, you better get out there and get married or something like that. But they just feel this unbelievable pressure that, that, that time is ticking by. And if we don't get married, we are going to miss out on life. And we're going to, and that completely goes against this idea of what the entire Bible teaches us. Walk with the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And so this idea that, that we need to walk according to how God wants us to, verse two, for you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. And that word fornication can be, um, that can be translated as immorality, immorality, that can be translated as whoredom, that can be translated as sexual sin. And here is where the difficulty comes in is that we decide what is going to be a sin, a physical sin that is going to cross over the line. And here is the main problem. The, the, one of the main, I'm, you're gonna hear me say this a lot, but one of the main problems I have is that we become the final arbiter. We become the final authority. How far is too far? Well, we can't point to a Bible verse, so then we've got to come up with some type of exterior authority to say, okay, this is how far is too far. Now, those of you out there who say, well, Pastor Gover, you're out here, you're trying to turn us back into Victorians, you're trying to do this. No, no, I'm not, I'm not preaching against 
the, the physical nature of the relationship between a husband and wife. I am not saying that it is sinful. I am not saying that it is wrong. I'm not saying that it is wicked in any way. However, when we take on this dating mindset and say, this is how we're supposed to live our life. And then we pull back from that and say, okay, the Bible doesn't tell us how to date. And then we're going to decide on our own how to date. We put ourselves in a pickle. Because the Bible tells us what happens when we come up with a way. There's a way that seems right to a man. Have you ever heard that verse? And the end thereof are the ways of fruitful dating lives. No. Now, some of you out there going, oh, and eight ways of death, that does kind of describe my dating life. Pastor, go for it. Thank you very much. But understand, this whole idea of dating is one of the things that, that God, God has a plan. We have to believe that. And this idea that we've got to find somebody to marry in order to have God's best does not agree with the sovereignty of God. And one thing that's amazing to me that we don't hear preached very often, the Apostle Paul actually said, I wish everybody was single like me. You don't see that preached a lot at Christian colleges these days. I wish everybody was single. Uh, and Paul said, boy, if you're single, you get to care for the church, but if you're married, you have to care for the wife and for the church. Now, those of you that are married, I can confidently tell you it is God's will that you're married. So do not think as we talk about this dating that you go, ah, we, we built this on a shaky foundation, so dear wife of mine, we're going, that's not what I'm saying, okay? It absolutely is not what God's word is saying, but we have to understand some basics about the Bible. Keep going, look at verse four. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Sanctification, holiness, separation. A lot of times when we talk about sanctification, we understand sanctification when it comes to marriage. And let me just illustrate that. Okay. We understand where the line is for a married person, almost universally. And I have had people that have mocked me and said, Brother Coforth, for you to teach that holding hands is wrong, that snuggling is wrong, that having somebody sit on your lap is wrong, that a fine little kiss is wrong. Why is it that we understand that so easily when it comes to marriage? Does God give us three sets of guidelines? This is what you do as a single individual, as a dating individual, and as a married individual. As a man, I have two instructions. I have instructions how to treat every woman in here. One specifically is for, anybody want to guess? My wife. One covers who else? Everybody. There's another small area where my children. And that covers it. And, and all these questions, what's acceptable and what's unacceptable? Well, if you look at it in the area of what is acceptable for you and your spouse and what's unacceptable for you and your spouse, it comes very much more easily answered, correct? We're not going to admit to it because Pastor Goforth is meddling now, okay? Let me ask you a question. Does the Bible say anywhere, thou shalt not hold hands with somebody? No. How many of you wives would be okay with your husbands holding hands with somebody else? As long as it was just friendly. Anyone? What if it was just a friendly peck on the cheek? What if she sat on his lap for just a few moments and it wasn't really inappropriate? How many of you are, okay, okay. I can see that. No, no, we draw very clearly when it gets to that relationship. But for some reason we think, well, outside of that relationship, it is everybody make it up. 
And that's what the danger happens, comes in here. Because look, what, what, look at what Paul says, verse 6, or verse 5. Not in the lust of concupiscence. The lust of concupiscence is not in the passion of our desires. Not in the passion of our desires. Meaning, we are not to live our life based on the lusts of the flesh, the needs of the flesh. I'm not supposed to live for my next meal. I'm not supposed to live for the next activity that will get me out of boredom. I'm not to live for the next uh, sensual encounter. I am supposed to live for Jesus Christ. I'm not supposed to live in the lust of concupiscence, the passion of what my body desires and wants. He says that everyone should know how to possess his vessel, sanctification and honor, not the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. And here's the difficulty, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother. That defraud his brother has the idea of overreaching. That means you are taking something that is not yours to take or withholding something that is not yours to withhold. In Corinthians 7, husbands and wives are told not to defraud each other. They're not to overreach in their physical relationship, meaning they are to be intimate with each other and they are not to withhold because it is not theirs to withhold. The husband hath not the power of his body, but the wife. And the wife hath not power of her, her body, but the husband. And that you are not to defraud each other except it be for a short amount of time, if you're going to pray. And so here's the biblical principle, and here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to simply, you say, well, Pastor Goforth, I'm an old person. My children are married. My grandchildren are married. My great-grandchildren are married. I am almost in the grave, one foot in the grave, other foot on a banana peel. I don't really need to think about this. I would like you to think and to consider to ponder the path of the modern American ideal of dating and how we can use that to do what is the main thing that we as Christians are to do. 1 Corinthians 10, whether therefore you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. There's going to be some different things that people are going to say. Pastor, go forth. Are you, are you going to say that now that your dating time is done, that you're preaching against dating? Let, let, me, let me say that is not the impetus for that. Am I saying that, you're, that I'm trying to get us to go back to some type of Victorian era? That is, I simply want us to ponder the path of our feet. What does it mean to go beyond and defraud? What does it mean? You study God's word, you look into God's word, and you find out, okay, what does that mean to a dating person? It's very clearly laid out what does that mean to a married person, but what does that mean to a single person? What is going beyond? What is defrauding? And why is it a big deal? We'll finish this verse, and then we'll be done. And all God's people said... I thought some of you would say no way, but you said amen. Look at the last part of verse 6 and we're finished. Because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have also have forewarned you and testified. The Lord is the avenger of all these. The reason why it's a big deal, folks, as we teach our children, as we teach our grandchildren, I believe, and I want you to understand, this is not a missive or a message against dating. This is a message begging us as a church to approach it with a biblical mindset and say, okay, this is how, this is how the Bible constructs. I do not believe the best way to start off is how far can, how far can we go and not sin? How many of you would agree that's really not the best perspective in anything in life? Okay. How far, how, how fast can I go before I get a ticket? How much can I steal before the alarm goes off? Mm -mm. No, no, no. We want, we want to make sure. And listen, this is an invitation 
to young people as well. Young people, instead of sitting there and going, oh, I better start dating this week before he ruins it. No, I want you to think about it. Talk about it with mom and dad. Discuss it, okay? What, what, what are some biblical principles? We will talk, we will discuss those over in the weeks to come. Let's stand. You thought I was kidding? I'm not kidding. Those of you who are offended that we ended church early, you can stay behind until 7.30. That is acceptable. We'll dismiss with a word of prayer. I'm going to ask Drew. Where's Drew? Drew's right here. Drew is leaving us. Drew and Christiana are forsaking us for greener pastures like Lot in the book of Genesis. I'm kidding. <laughs> They're going to be taken off. Drew, would you come up and close us in a word of prayer? Would you mind doing that, brother? I know he knows how to pray. I have appreciated their involvement and their servant heart and getting involved in many different things. And we are going to miss them, but I figured the last time here, I'll get him to pray for us. You make sure and say goodbye to him before they take off. All right, do pray for it. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for just the opportunity we had to come and to gather here tonight, Lord, to worship you or to hear from your word. Uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, the time that we have had here, Lord, and we're going to miss each of these folks, Lord. They have uh, each played a a very large role, Lord, um, in our lives, and Lord, I just pray that you continue to bless the ministry here. Lord, help um, each person, Lord, who is involved here at any level, Lord just to seek after you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, that that would be our goal. And Lord, regardless of where you bring us in our lives, Lord, whether, Lord, we stay here for a long period of time or you move us on, Lord, keep that as our goal, Lord, to become more like you every day. And Lord, to seek after you in everything that we do. Lord, I pray all this in your precious and holy name. Amen.